Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 11.30 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Well, good Monday morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us. Um, Before we get to what we normally get to, um, number one, um, you may have uh, heard uh, some repeats of uh, Kathy Booker's show last week. Um, uh, Sadly to say, um, but joyous in another way, we... Uh, lost one of our, um, I guess you could say, initial uh, guests here on Dee's Power Hour. She's with us for a while, um, and she's gone home to be with the Lord, Kathy Booker. So um, we want to ask you uh, to please keep Kathy Booker's family in your prayers. Uh, We extend a lot of love and prayers to them. Kathy was uh, a licensed mental health counselor and a major contributor to the show and a dear friend and sister and um, we we love her and but we know that God loved her best and so uh, just please keep um, that in mind. Um, just for those of you that need to still do some um, back to school shopping, it, we still have the tax free um, holiday for the back to school supplies. I will try to post a list of the state uh, approved supplies on the G's Power Hour Facebook page. But as you know, um, yes, it is back-to-school time, and you know, August, I try to dedicate to that, so we're going to do a little bit of that as well, hopefully a lot. Um, It is, though, however, the first Monday of the month, and that means Mortgage Monday, and we have Mr. Jabir Najir of Rides on Mortgage on with us again, and we welcome him back. How are you doing? I am doing good, doing good. Monday morning is the 1st of August, which happens to fall on the Monday, so um, hoping for good things to come this month. We've actually been seeing some pretty uh, positive things over the last couple of weeks, which I, guess, I know we'll get into. But uh, so far, so good. Okay. Well, let's go ahead. We can all use a little positive. There's a lot of stuff going on right now, so we can definitely use some some positive. As we um, and I did not mention, we need to pray for our brothers and sisters out west dealing with and other areas dealing with, uh, respectively, fire, uh, floods, and heat. Uh, if you start from the west, going to the east, we got it all, and so you know we got to keep everybody in mind with that. But in the meantime, give us the positive. Let's talk about that. Great, great. So uh, a couple weeks ago now, um, which even before then, everybody kind of expected the uh, the quarterly the quarterly reports for the uh, GDP to come in uh, lower to trigger what would be technically a recession. And once that actually happened, it actually had a positive, a positive effect on the interest rate. So interest rates actually calmed down a little bit. Even though the Fed did recently increase the rates again, 
which is the Fed funds rate. The Fed doesn't necessarily increase the mortgage interest rate. They increase the rates at which banks lend to other banks. So even though the rates increase for the Fed funds rate, the interest rates actually decrease. Now, that does not necessarily mean that it's going to continue that way, but if you are in the market shopping or if you're currently floating alone, this may be a good time to lock in. Or if you decide to float it down a little bit more and you, you, you decide that, hey, you're going to play the market a little bit more, you just want to have your, your finger on the lock button, basically. Or if, for your broker, your broker should have the finger on their lock button just in case they start to see things creep back up. But so far, things are starting to edge back down. So what does all that mean, Jabir? Because you're talking about uh, Fed funds rates and all that kind of good stuff. What does that mean for the actual mortgage interest rates? Well, um, the mortgage interest rates for the 30-year fix actually start to float down closer to a 5%. We're probably about a 5.125 um, for the 30-year fix interest rate for the conventional loan. And then for FHA 30-year, we're looking at right around a 4.5 right now. So the rates actually have come down quite a bit because the last time we spoke at the beginning of, um, of, J- of July, these, both these rates uh, for the 30-year fixed conventional was inching closer to about 5.75, and FHA was in the upper fours, if not, uh, I think it was actually lower fives at the time that we spoke last time. So this is definitely positive news. The rates are floating back down. As I said, it doesn't necessarily mean it will continue to float down, but things are moving in a positive direction. And so people really need to understand that uh, that just because they hear that interest rates have gone up, that doesn't necessarily coincide with mortgage rates going up. In fact, what it means probably is a, a little, if you've got money in savings, a little bit more interest that you're being paid on your savings, right? Absolutely. So when these Fed funds rate increase, yes, you will be in your savings, yes, you will have a, a larger rate of return on the money that you're saving. So that's definitely mm-hmm. correct. So it may not match with the rate of inflation right now, but at least it's better right. than what you were receiving earlier in the year. For sure, for sure. So just just keep that in mind. It is If you've been frugal, if you've been, you know, saving – maybe saving for a down payment or saving for some closing costs or, or saving for some new furniture to go in that home. You've been saving. You may get a little bit of extra change tacked on to, to that. So, you know, when you hear interest rates are going up, don't don't start stressing that the interest rates are going up with a mortgage. That's not necessarily the case. What it means, though, is that you might get a little bit more change back if you've been, um, you know, good about saving. So, uh, and then that's money that you can put on the, the house that you're going to buy with the mortgage that Jabir is going to give you. So anyway, yes. that's a good sign. Good to hear. So what other – we want to talk also about um, – and we've talked about it in the past, but let's let's kind of talk about it a little bit and see where we are. Um, we've mentioned in the past about borrowing money um, that could possibly be used to pay for, let's say, tuition or or college or university expenses and, and stuff like that. So is it a good time to consider that, or, or should we hold? Um, every situation is different, and it depends on if you're okay. able to pull money from other areas. And the reason I say that is that right now 
if you if you have the equity in your home, you could always look at a home equity line of credit because say that you would like a line of credit to or or a second mortgage. Um, a, a second mortgage or a home equity line of credit, say you have a certain dollar amount that you have in mind that you'll need to help bring your kids through uh, school or to supplement what you already have saved for them, then that may be that may not be a, a bad idea. Um, you could go through the process of refinancing your first mortgage. The only thing is that if you have access to get to these if you have access to these funds in another manner other than refinancing your first mortgage, it may actually be the better route. If you're already in a low interest rate, let's just say, for example, you're in a low 3% interest rate that you've had since last year, everything is going great, you may not want to touch that and refinance into a 45 or 5% at a higher interest rate to get access to those funds. And if you went with a home equity line of credit, instead of having to refinance your first mortgage, you could just take out a smaller, a smaller amount out of your home and pay that back mm-hmm. over the course of time instead of having to tie that in into the larger first mortgage. Um, there are sometimes some, depending on where your credit currently stands, there are some personal loans you may be able to take advantage of if you're not looking to go the student loan route. But um, the one thing, um, at least at this point in time, as opposed to earlier in the year, is refinancing into a higher interest rate loan if you don't necessarily have to, if there's other means to do so. Now, there are sometimes... Time, there are times where this would be definitely the better route, um, especially when it comes to debt consolidation. A lot of times, especially during these times, we have clients that have, you know, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars worth of credit card that they're paying off monthly. And yes, it makes sense because if they continue to make those minimum payments. They're going to be paying those credit cards for the next thirty years. But a lot of times, when it comes to student loan debt or helping your child through college you don't necessarily need all that money at one time. So mm-hmm. instead of you borrowing that money all at one time and you're starting to make payments on money on money that you don't actually need yet because you pull that money away, you pull that money um, out of your equity ahead of time, maybe the line of credit may be the better route so that way you can actually pay as you need as opposed to refinancing and taking all that cash out at one time. Okay. All right. So we also, around the time of you, usually talk about um, loans for teachers possibly considering. I know that, you know, you guys, you teachers are wonderful. you got a lot of stuff going on right now, but you also don't want to neglect yourself while you're taking out all of this money to pay for school supplies. It's a shame you all have to do that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've run into some of you at the clearance rack pulling, you know, money out for, for different things for your classrooms, and, and God bless you. But at the same time, you know, save a little money aside for yourself in case you want to make a, a purchase. Uh, let's, you know, I'm always about buying yourself a house for your Christmas present. That's a good one. But um, we, there are programs for teachers out there, right? Yes. Um, probably two of the most common would be the teacher next door and the good neighbor next door. Um, with the teacher next door, it basically offers a grant to teachers uh, for up to eight thousand dollars that could be put towards their their down payment and closing costs. And they actually will will actually waive the well, I should say waive. They'll actually reimburse you for the for the home appraisal. So that's definitely a great program. So any any teacher between a pre K to a twelfth grade teacher could qualify for that program. And it could be used 
with in conjunction with other programs like the Fannie Mae's Home Ready Program or the Home Possible Program, and of course FHA. Then the Good Neighbor Next Door is not just only for teachers, but of course teachers are in there. So those will be your police officers, your um, those who work in the in the health field such as nurses and doctors would get the good would be able to get approved for the Good Neighbor Next Door program, which you will also receive a three and a half percent grant for for whatever property you're looking to purchase, as long as it's FHA eligible. And basically, you don't have to pay the 3.5% back. Um, you move into the home, and you're able to get into the home with virtually no money down. Uh, could possibly come out of pocket for some closing costs, but you should be able to move into the home with very minimal money down. So those will prob- probably be the two other programs, I would say. Let's talk about something that you brought up so that, that should apply to everyone, not just um, teachers, so that we can be clear. What is a property that is FHA qualified? Can you break that down for us? Well, the home has to be a single family to a fourplex. So as long as you're within that in that uh, in that range, that you could you could qualify now. One thing with FHA is that you could also, which we don't really talk about a lot on this um, on the show, but you could actually purchase a commercial property with FHA financing. Now, the only thing is that that commercial property has to be 51% or more residential. So if you have a building that has a residential unit on top of the commercial spot, so upstairs you have, you know, a thousand square foot uh, apartment. But downstairs you have um, 999 square feet of commercial space, where you know it may be one unit or two units that somebody rents out. Then that is something that you can actually finance commercially. So we don't talk about it a lot, but that's a great way to get into commercial financing. And then you know if you don't plan on living in that home forever, that's totally fine. Later on, you can actually rent out the top to a tenant and move out of that area, move out of that building. So now you have a tenant upstairs and two commercial spots below. So that's um, that, that's one way to get into a commercial, a commercial loan using FHA financing. Um, but to focus, keep it on the FHA, on the question, uh, what you need to do to qualify for FHA financing, then there's also loan limit. So in, it depends on what area of the state or country that you live in, there's different FHA loan limits. So for the Central Florida area, the maximum loan for Central Florida for single family is $420,680. And if you're looking to purchase a duplex, that loan limit would increase to $538,650. But anything at that price point or below or loan loan amount or below will qualify. So and I, I emphasize loan amount and not purchase price because if you're purchasing something for, let's just say, $600,000 and you're going to put down that approximately eighty thousand, or um, or sixty thousand. I'm sorry, approximately sixty thousand. Then you could still get FJ financing using um, for a duplex at the five hundred and thirty-eight thousand dollars loan amount limit. Now for a triplex, that that number is six hundred fifty-one thousand, and for a quadruplex, it's eight hundred and nine thousand one hundred fifty dollars. So. For the most part, those are the basic requirements. There are some safety requirements that FHA does have with any home that you're purchasing, so they do want to make sure that there's no major, um, any major 
flaws in the property that could be hazardous or, or to anybody that's living in the property. But other than that, for the most part, those are the basic requirements. We're going to take a quick break. We are here with Jabir Nazir of Rajon Mortgage. It's Mortgage Monday on G's Power Hour, and it's time to go back to school. Don't forget that you need to take advantage of the tax-free holiday when you go. And um, if you have, let's say, some stories you want to share about your days in school, please join us today. We're going to talk about going back to school or when you were in school or your plans on going to school, whatever it is. Um, all month, the number is 516-387-1944. That's 516-387-1944. This is G's Power Hour. I've never had it so good entertainment, and we will be right back. Does it appear the long arm of the law is working against you instead of for you? Whom do you call when the boys in blue are pursuing you? When the wrong person behind bars may end up being you. With over 40 years combined legal expertise, Anderson and Welch bring to bear a smart, sound, sensible defense of those caught in what may be the unrelenting grip of the legal system. Turn to Anderson and Welch first to get ahead of trouble, not fall into it, by calling 561-832-3386. That's 561-832-3386. That's Anderson and Welch Law Firm online at andersonandwelch.com. Good morning. Welcome back to G's Power Hour. I never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. We are here with Jabir Najir of Rajon Mortgage. It is the first Monday of the month. That means it's Mortgage Monday, but we're going to talk about some other stuff too. And if you want to join the conversation, the number is 516-387-1944. So, um, Jabir, before we switch subjects, are there any other things that we need to know about um, the mortgage rates or any policy changes or anything going on that, that you want to uh, keep, keep us up on? Um, so there's not any major changes in regards to policies, but the one thing I will say is that lenders are tightening up across the board when it comes to them. So, Ooh. yeah, so there, lenders, there are definitely a good uh, handful of lenders that are still pretty flexible and they're not, tightening up too much as of yet. Mm-hmm. But with the talks of where the economy is heading, recession, job losses on the horizon, lenders are just saying, hey, we're going to start tightening tight, up our guidelines now instead of waiting until things really get tight, uh, hard and they end up in a situation where they're lending out on lending out to clients who may be in, a, who may be in the beginning stage of having a rough time. So they're mm-hmm. looking to when they're looking at their portfolio, they want their portfolio to remain strong for investors. Whenever, especially for a lot of these companies that are publicly traded, um, you know, some of these are your Rocket Mortgages, your, uh, your UWM, which is United Wholesale Mortgage. They want their books to look very good for their investors. So they're not going to be as lenient when it comes to underwriting in certain situations um, as they may have been over the course of the last at this point, 10 years uh, since, mm. you know, we came out of the last recession. Um, the other thing is that there are a lot of the portfolio loan programs that we I don't think we've spent a lot of time really focusing on that, but we've definitely talked about it on multiple 
shows throughout the year, which is the bank mm-hmm. payment programs, the um, the no income verification for investor programs. These programs are starting to tighten up as well, where they're now requiring a larger down payment. Um, so that is one thing that they're tightening up on. Some of them are just getting rid of the programs altogether, and they're just saying we, we're not sure what's on the horizon. There, there have actually been a couple lenders that have actually already, even though we're early in the process, have actually just shut down altogether. These are on the portfolio loan program side where they say, you know what, they were running too lean when it came to their margins, which mm-hmm. a lot of lenders do whenever they things are in a great in a great space because they're trying to more so make up for things on volume instead of being profitable um, as opposed to their profit margin. So when things really got tight, they had to shut down. So, and then even banks, everybody knows Chase. Chase says, hey, we're no longer financing, or I'm sorry, we're no longer going to service FHA loans. So because Mm -hmm. whenever they look at history and when things get tough, FHA loans happen to be, the clients happen to be in FHA FHA loans, tend to be the first to default. So they're saying before we even get to that point, we're just going to stop servicing those loans now while we see some tough times on the horizon. All right, so they're tightening up because of uh, with about credit scores. So, uh, give us some basics uh, in terms of how we need to get those credit scores up. The main thing is, of course, continue to make every, your payments on time. But you also want to make sure that you're taking care of any type of collection that's on your report. Monthly, I see clients come in that they're making all their payments on time but they have anywhere from $50 uh, medical collections to $500 medical collections on their credit report that's reporting every single month. So that is a delinquent account that even though it's a collection, it's reporting monthly, and it looks as if this is an account that you decided that you're no longer going to worry about. You owe them the money, but you're not dealing with them. So, yes, you're paying your credit card on time. You're paying your, your, your car loan on time. You may even have a mortgage that you're paying on time, but these – Collections can ding your credit pretty badly, especially those who have thin credit. When I say thin credit, you have two credit cards or just one credit card you pay on time, and you keep a low balance, but you have three or four collections that are reporting monthly, and you find that no matter what, you cannot get your score above a 620 or above a 640, even though you're paying everything on time, is due to those collections. And it's really hard for me to see because when I see a $50 collection, regardless of the income level, to be small collection. Now, I get it when you come to the $1,500 and $5,000 collections, but it's really hard for me to see that somebody's going to end up paying $50, sometimes $200 more a month on their mortgage because we had to give them a higher interest rate because those interest rates are based on credit score based on $300 worth of collections. So in one month, you're going to pay more in your mortgage than all the collections, than what, than all the collections combined on the credit report. And you're going to continue to make that payment as long as you have that mortgage. So that's one thing I would definitely suggest. Take care of those small collections. I understand it may not be that easy to take care of the larger collections. The other thing is keep your balances at 35%, your credit card balances at 35% or below of the credit limit. So if you have a $1,000 credit card limit, try and keep that balance at $350 or below. Now, I know that may not be the easiest thing to do at all times, but at the very, at, at the very least, try to keep that 50% or below. Once you go above that 50%, now you're starting to reach and you're starting to 
step into the um, into the credit where you're actually overreaching in regards to your credit. You're over leveraging yourself. So whenever you have a thousand dollars worth of credit card limits and your balance is a thousand dollars, it shows a very high debt to credit ratio. Whenever you have maxed out credit cards, especially once you get above, you know, as I said, once you get above fifty percent, you're starting to play in that area. But definitely when you get to seventy percent of the limit, you're definitely in that area where you're over leveraged, and it actually has a negative effect on your credit score. So that would be the second thing that I would recommend is that you keep those limits at 35% or below of your credit limit. Um, other than that, I would say those, those would probably be the, the basic things. And also any judgments. If you do have any judgments, you're still able to get financing with a judgment. But it's very important that you have a payment arrangement because if not, then we have to use um, – either we're going to require you to pay that judgment off or we have to use a higher – we, we, we have a calculation of what that payment should cost you on a monthly basis, and it may actually be higher than the arrangement you could make with that creditor. So let's just say that you have a judgment. Let's just say you have a judgment for $5,000. We're typically mm-hmm. going to take 5% of that 5000 which is $250 per month. And with that creditor, you may be able to arrange something for $100 a month or $150 a month. So we automatically will take the $250 and throw it into your debt-to-income ratio even though it's a payment you're not actually truly paying out monthly, we're going to have to take that into consideration. Okay. So um, let me ask you about this. What if you have paid, and I guess this, that I want to ask you, is it if you get, let's say, delinquent on a bill or, or delinquent with a creditor, uh, and you pay the creditor, although let's say you're starting to receive notices from, collections do you pay the creditor do you pay the collector and you know if you pay let's say the creditor um do you need to uh forward the information to the collector yes uh well to answer your last question yes you do um but to kind of back up a little bit so depending on how how old the collection is sometimes Mm -hmm. that creditor may not even have it in their system anymore so if it's a fairly new one you could pay it with the creditor. Mm-hmm. The creditor should notify the collection agency, but as you could imagine, once they get their money, they are happy, they move on, and they did not notify the collection agency. So it's super, super important for you to contact the collection agency right away and let them know mm. that this has already been settled by the creditor. And it's important that you also receive documentation from the creditor to say there's zero balance. You can actually send that to the collection agency. And that way, they'll stop reporting it to the credit bureau. Um, it's also important that you also send something into the credit bureau because we also hope that the, cre- the creditor will report to the collection agency. I'm sorry, to the credit bureaus that's been paid. Mm-hmm. But I deal with that all the time, where we have clients that have paid off collections three months ago, a year ago, sometimes two years ago, and is still reporting on the credit report. Now they may not be reporting that that month that that balance is still due, but they never appear in the same break. Okay. So, okay. It's Can you hear me better now? now? Yeah, it's cleared okay. up. Thank you. Okay, okay great. Thank you. <laughs> Go ahead, please. Okay, so uh, I'm not sure the last thing you heard, so I'll just kind of back up a little bit there. So the whenever you're, you have a, a collection, the important thing is that if you do pay the creditor, it's important to 
notify the creditor, I mean, notify the collection agency that that has actually been paid up and paid off. And it's important you actually receive a letter from the creditor with zero balance you can send it to the collection agency. And we hope that, that the collection agency will actually remove that from the, from the credit bureau's report. But sometimes mm-hmm. they don't. Sometimes they get information, they stop the collection efforts, and that's it. And you don't know until, you know, you decide to apply for a car, uh, a mortgage, that that was never cleared up. So it's just very important that you also notify the credit bureau so you're actually attacking it from multiple angles. That way you don't feel pressured once you actually get ready to purchase a home or a car or whatever it is that you're financing, you, you're pressured to clear all this stuff up in 24 to 48 hours. You've already taken care of this before you actually needed your credit. Okay, good to know. We are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to ask Jabir about school. Uh, anyway, the number of you have questions, though, about mortgages or other things that you want to uh, contribute, the number is 516-387-1944. We're here with Jabir Najir of Rajan Mortgage. This is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. Having a wedding, reception, family reunion, planning a banquet, or some other fundraising event. Need to share your knowledge through a workshop or seminar, or it's a difficult time and you need to plan a wake or repast. Let us help. At our gatherings, let us reduce the stress and make the occasion memorable, treasured. Call our gatherings at 407-968-9387 or email ourgatherings at yahoo.com. Let us help plan your special event. Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. It is time for... Cool. Um, don't forget, we are we still are privileged in Florida to have the uh, tax-free holiday for now. So uh, take advantage of it. Um, because why don't we say school supplies? Let's just say office supplies. You need some pens. You need uh, some pencils. You need some other stuff. This is a good time to to consider all that. So um, don't forget that. Anyway. We are here with Jabir Najir of Rise on Mortgage. It's Mortgage Monday, but we're going to talk a little bit about. So tell me, Jabir, how was school for you? Did you like school? I did. (laughs) Uh, I did. Where'd you go? So for for high school, I went to West Orange High School in Orlando. Then for for undergrad, I went to Florida A&M University in Tallahassee. So I'm a rattler. I didn't know that. Yes, yes, I am a rattler. So... I actually started out in the architecture program because in high school I took drafting and I knew that I wanted to be an architect. And my first semester, and I think that they actually, I just ran across some of the um, the wrong graduates, I would say, <laughs> uh, who came to visit. And they had some stories about their their beginnings, and it was some very humble beginnings getting out into the work world. And 
the job that they had to take that was not what I expected once I actually graduated from, you know, the um, architecture program. So I'm like, you know what, this may not be my thing. So I switched over to the business program, which was a second interest of mine. So I was in um, second semester. I started my transition to the SBI program, SAM. Now, one thing, you know, in regards to architecture program, I have a lot of friends that were in that program, and they were very successful after graduation. Uh, it's just that, I, as I said, I probably just got across the wrong people who were just down their luck whenever they uh, graduated from that program. So not knocking the program at all. It was a lot of successful people came out, out of that architecture program, FM. But um, so I studied, I studied um, business with um, a concentration in marketing. I knew I wanted mm-hmm. to get into uh, urban marketing. My thing is I wanted to move to New York. I was very big on New York. Um, I was originally born in Jersey. Um, so growing up, I was back either in Jamaica for the summer or New Jersey for the summer, one of the two, every summer growing up. But I knew that I wanted to be in New York. And whenever I graduated from um, from from uh, college, I, I had some connects up there, but I but the broke cost. I need to save some money so I can actually make my way up to New York and start, you know, networking and making those connects. And I fell into mortgages. Um, and when I started in, in mortgages, this is back in 2004, I was like, wow, this is going to be a great way for me to save a lot of money in six months to a year, enough that I could, you know, I could really – because the thing is that we have, and I still have a lot of energy, but we have all that energy at 22 years old. You're like, I have nothing to do but work, 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 work. I'm going to, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, because yep. the, the business is a is a performance-based business, and um, I'm going to move to New York. And um, I, I honestly just end up falling, falling in love with mortgages. Uh, probably, I was probably, say, four months in. I'm like, you know what? I'm thinking I'm going to put New York on the back burner, and I just really – I didn't think I was going to be in it this long. Um, because what made you fall in love with mortgages? That's what I want to know. <laughs> so the way that I actually, yeah, the way that I actually got brought into the mortgage industry was a company I really focused on refinancing and refinancing people that were in financial hardship. So mm-hmm. you have families that have no idea how they're making ends meet and we're able to use their home as a tool to put them in a better financial position. A lot of people, similar to what the case is now, where they're up to their neck in credit card debt, you know, they have children and they need, you know, um, they're trying to feed their family and, you know, maintain a household, but things are just just tough. So we would put them into whether it's better interest rate debt consolidation and we're saving people three, four, five, sometimes $1,000 a month. And, you know, we're heroes for this family. And they're referring their families to us. Sometimes they will come back to us as well. So I would probably say back then 90% of my business was uh, refinance business. I didn't really do too many uh, purchases. Things have definitely flipped since then. Um, But that's how I got started. So I really fell in love with that where, you know, I've been to family functions because of, you know, you, you start to really create a friendship with some of these families. So I've been to graduations, I've been to birthday parties, um, you know, just different things that families would have. And I would show up, you know, I'm, I'm their mortgage broker, but you end up just creating a relationship with, with, with these families. So you just kind of fall in love with helping helping people put them into, their, into a better position. And, you know, as I said, I, did, I had no idea that I would continue to be in the business, you know, I guess at this point it's uh, 20, uh, 18 years now. 
18 years later, and I and I still I still love it. Um, so one thing led to another, and I just got further and further into the business, uh, stronger um, stronger relationships, and then the recession happened, and you know business really really got tough, and I always had an interest in international business, international trading. Ever since undergrad, I took international business course, and there's some topics that we we discussed that. I never, and I, even to this day, I still have interest in it. Um, so I went back to Nova South either I went to, I said, went back. I went to Nova Southeastern University for my uh, master's in international business. And this is during the recession where at one point I thought it was going to be something short-lived. And then at one point I'm, I'm like, okay, there's no end to this thing. So that's why I went back to school, graduated um, in 2011, and things start to turn around shortly after that um, in the mortgage business. And as I mentioned, I really, really love the mortgage business. So I'm like, okay, well, if I went through all, through all the hard times and the mortgage business, things are starting to turn back around, I'm just going to continue to do what I know and what I love. So I never got a chance to really put that degree in international business to use. Um, I still, mm-hmm. you know, as I said, I still have interest in it, but maybe at a later date I'll, you know, transition into that field. But um, mm-hmm. I just continued with the mortgage business, and and that's what led led me to where I'm at today. Eventually, started my own uh, company, uh, Rajon Mortgage. And as you can imagine, if I started my own company, um, I guess it's been four or five years now. I don't plan on going anywhere <laughs> anytime soon. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Happy to hear that for for us anyway. So let me ask you this: Had you already made a decision? which I don't know, I, I don't know too many kids that say, I'm going to be a mortgage broker or a lender or something like that when I grow up. But had you thought about it earlier, um, what what type of classes do you think you would have um, considered important in your preparation for this field of work? Uh, do you have classes that you are glad that you took? Or do you have classes that you wish you had taken um can you talk a little bit about, about that because i think we all kind of look back and say hmm had i known maybe i would have paid more attention in this class or i would have taken that class or i wouldn't have wasted my time on this other class uh what are your thoughts well one thing i will say uh quickly is that um the i, I was kind of sort of a very surface level uh, maybe I should say um, um, brought to the mortgage industry, um, introduced to the mortgage industry or real estate industry, but definitely a handful of people have, during my college years, actually did bring up real estate. And it didn't really interest me at the time. And I think because I didn't actually truly, truly look into it, it was kind of like in passing, talking, like very surface level. Um, so maybe if I actually looked into it deeper at that time, I, you know, maybe the classes and, and a lot of the classes I took definitely did help because if you're in the business program, even, even though my, even though my concentration was in marketing, you said take all the core classes, accounting, finance, economics, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I do think that that kind of helped with it. And I don't think anything in college is going to be specific to being a mortgage broker, but I think you could actually pull bits and pieces from different classes. So, um, of course, they have real estate courses in college, so I definitely have to throw that in there. But then there's finance. I definitely think it helps um, when it comes to accounting. 
uh, accounting classes definitely helped because some of this stuff was just natural to me where I have coming into the mortgage business, um, there were definitely a lot of people that I came into the business with that didn't have a business background for their formal education. And not that they they didn't get it, but it wasn't as quick for them as it was for me. To me, I'm like, I'm just dealing with numbers. It's just a different format. I'm able to just switch things around and and, and pick up running. It, it didn't take me very long at all. Um, economics could possibly have a little bit um, of um, – when, when you get deeper into understanding the back end of stuff, I think the economics would also be a great choice uh, when it comes to becoming a broker. Um, but of course, as I mentioned, uh, real estate, any real estate that course that your college has would definitely help. But really the best teacher in this business really is experience. Um, because to become a mortgage broker, there's a process you have to do the NMLS where you have to take um, some continuing education, well not continuing education, you have to take the safe course, which is mostly a bunch of laws and it's very basic on the numbers. It doesn't actually get into the, the, the day-to-day activities of being um, a mortgage broker, but it, it, it more goes uh, talks about the laws. So it's, it's definitely important for you to understand the regu- laws and regulations of being a broker. But the experience, the day-to-day experience is going to be very, very helpful. Uh, one thing I did, uh, I just thought about, is if you have any type of speaking classes or professional development classes in college, that's also going to help because you're talking to clients every day on the phone. Sometimes I feel like you're on the phone nonstop. You're also going to have to give presentations, especially when you, especially at the beginning when you're really throughout your whole career, especially at the beginning when you're trying to establish yourself out there. I've spoken in front of churches. I've spoken at schools. I've spoken at different workshops. So you really have to be comfortable speaking in front of small groups, even large groups. And even to this day, I'm, I'm in networking groups, and I weekly had to give a short presentation on what I'm able to offer to clients. So that's also very, very important. So any type of professional development class that have, will allow you to speak on a regular basis in front of a, in front of a class is definitely, definitely going to help for sure. Okay. So now, you know, you talked about uh, different classes, I guess, in college and stuff. Let's say you're an elementary school kid. Um, you because apparently what you you had to I guess kind of when you talk about having to make presentations and stuff like that. That means you have to be well rounded. That means you know because you think mortgages and you think okay I definitely need to to have that math skill going in stuff like that. But it's not just that. It's a matter of you need to be able to read. You need to be able to <laughs> read a whole lot of different types of documents and understand them. You know, when they make changes in different types of policies, different types of uh, lending programs and stuff like that, it's very important that you have a good comprehension of of grammar. You have a good comprehension of <laughs> just, just, you know, being able to, to read and comprehend you know, or how things are put together, and especially when you get into a lot of legalese, uh, so you still sometimes need help with that a lot of times. But in general, uh, it's, very, it's very important that it, as coming up in elementary school, you are very well-rounded in terms of doing uh, the math and doing the reading. All of that is important, yes. right? Yes, no, I definitely agree. And one thing that, um, since you were just speaking, allow me a chance to think of something else I forgot. Um, is sales, a uh, sales course. And it's not necessarily that, 
yes, you think of you may not think of when you think of mortgage, you may not think of selling, but in anything you do, you're you're in a sense selling, even even if you're selling yourself. And yes, in mortgages, people don't want to feel as if they're being sold. But you have the reason that you want to take a sales class is understanding the person that you're dealing with and how to communicate with that person. Because if you only communicate or sell mortgages one way, you're going to limit your success. The way that you approach mm-hmm. somebody at 9 o'clock may be different than the, the phone call you have at 9.30 based on the way that, that that person speaks, whether they're a highly energetic person, whether they're a very uh, – versus somebody that is, speaks uh, at a slower pace or somebody who's a little bit more detail-oriented. Has, and then your next call may be somebody who basically just wants the basics. So sometimes even the person that just wants the basics, you can't oversell them and all of a sudden they say, you know what, I'm going to go with somebody else. And sometimes they go with somebody else that offers them offer them a worse mortgage, but that person just did less talk. You just have to understand the person you're dealing with. And it's easy when you're in front of somebody, but many times nowadays we're over the phone, we're speaking to somebody over the phone, and I have to understand your body language based on the tone of your voice, even the pauses mm-hmm. in between your sentences. And a sales class definitely helps with that. As I said, it's not necessarily selling. I mean, it is selling, but understanding the person that you're speaking with. Yeah, communicating. And communication skills are a lot different. I mean, I took communications in college. I probably, Part of me feels like I need to go back and take some more classes because communicating has gotten a little bit more complicated than it was some decades ago, I won't mention how many, uh, when I was in college. Because it, we did not have the uh, the prevalence of all of this technology that we have right now. There was no texting. There was no um, email when I was in school. So being able to read people via not no voice you know, contribution, no eye contact, none of that, being able to read what people mean through email and text is a whole different dynamic, you know. So, yes. uh, yeah, so being able to, to learn how to just communicate with people, you know, read what they're saying and, and try to find some common ground in what they're saying um, via text and not misunderstand what's being said. Um, I see a lot of people where they'll do, like, uh, certain things in all caps, and then they have to go back and say, um, I didn't mean to put that in all caps. And it, to me, I had to discover that people, when you put stuff in all caps, think that you're yelling at them, and that's not necessarily the case, but that's the way apparently people understand that form of communication. Now, there's, you know, emojis is a whole different thing that I don't even like to really deal with a whole lot, but that's a, a part of that as well. So it's it's just a matter of learning the you know how to stay on top of communicating with different people and, and getting a, a clear understanding. And I would say even if you're not clear on what people are saying to you, to ask them if you aren't clear, you know, dig more, do more probing questions and find out what they mean if you're not communicating directly with them in person or on phone. Yes, I, I agree. And the one thing I will say, if anybody gets into the business in, in their office setting, sometimes, you know, when you're communicating with that person, that person, for whatever reason, you and that person may not click. And it may be something that you may pass on to somebody else in the office. And then if you have the opportunity, just sit in and hear how that phone call 
goes when that person speaks to that client. And you can learn a lot in the way that they actually communicate with that person. Or maybe if you don't have the opportunity to listen in on that call, maybe you could just ask the person after, you know, they're able to get the deal, hey, you know, how were you able to get that deal? How do you communicate with that person? Help me become a better broker. And, I, and we're talking about being, being a broker, but whether in any area of sale, sales, um, mm-hmm. how did you get that? How were you able to close that deal? Um, it's just part of the learning process to become a better salesperson at the end of the day. Definitely, definitely. So any any um, additional things that you can recall about your experience? Because I think it's important for people to understand, especially when you go off, well, I would say as you graduate through the years of education, when you, as you go up, it's not only about the stuff that you read in the books. It's about um, uh, learning how to socialize that becomes right. more and more critical and important as you, you go up there. And one of the things that you mentioned was, I guess, um, how you made decisions based on the people that you were communicating with about uh, certain fields that you were interested in, right? Yes, but I didn't hear the last question. I heard uh, communicating with people with certain fields I was interested in. but Oh, okay. Right no, I was saying – um, about socializing, how that becomes more and more uh, crucial, as well as the process, uh, the, the basic education process, learning how to socialize with people, and, and you make uh, crucial decisions on your uh, based on the people that you end up communicating with. Like you were talking about um, your experience uh, considering architecture versus, you know, um, you know the field that you eventually went into. Uh, and a lot of that was based on the people that you ended up socializing with or communicating with, right? Yes, absolutely. So it's, a, it's definitely great to have a well-rounded uh, group of friends uh, that have different aspects and perspectives on life, uh, come from different backgrounds, um, even different levels of success so you could understand the path to success in, 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 in many ways, especially if they're very successful and the challenges that they've had. Um, so that – also, yeah, it definitely helps to mold who you are and helps to direct you on the path that you decide to take. And, you know, as I'm starting to think of, as I, as I say that, as I mentioned the path that they took to success, you know, that's also one thing that when you, when you get into this business, there's a lot of no's that you're going to have to get used to. So you have to have a little bit of tough, tough skin and be able to, have a brighter view on life because it's one of the things that's going to take. It may take some time for some. You may hear the success story that they jumped in the jumped <laughs> jumped into fire t- two feet first and and they're very they took off running you know and then but for the majority I would say it takes a little bit longer to you actually kind of get your footing in there. So definitely having a very well rounded group of friends also will introduce you to people in different industries which will also help to build your business. If mm-hmm. everybody that you surround yourself with is in one industry or one type of person, um, then that's pretty much where your business is going to come from, which is also going to limit, limit yourself. So, you know, I would definitely say to kind of, if you're, if you're limited, if you're already limited in, in regards to the circle of friends, definitely just step out of your, your comfort zone and start to network with other people for sure. Yeah. And I have to say this um, in terms of, mistakes that that I made uh 
don't get, I would say, um, I would say don't get, uh, how should I put this, trying to establish yourself, improve yourself, don't get that uh, mixed up with not accepting help or, or not networking. Um, I <laughs> There were things that I didn't want to associate with because it's like I wanted to do it on my own, you know, and, and you know, I had, well, you know, your, your father knows this, that, and, you know, this person, that person, whatever, and I'm like, no, 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 I want to do it on my own. Um, it's, it's nothing wrong with accepting help, you know, because once you get the help, once you get in your foot in the door, because sometimes, especially for some of us, it's hard to get your foot in the door. Once you get your foot in the door, you still have to prove yourself, okay? Yes. And, you know, because if you don't, you're not only going to reflect badly on yourself, you're going to reflect badly on what whoever the person is that helped you get your foot in the door. Okay, so networking is crucial, but once you uh, make that connection, it's still up to you to to prove yourself. Yeah, so I, I just wanted to say that. No, that's that's definitely some very very good points um, because sometimes you're brought into the whatever that business may be based on people that you know, and once you get your foot in the door, based on the people that you know, I've seen people get a. Uh, get thrown out that door a lot where, and I say thrown out mm-hmm. the door where you just start to find that the people that are in that circle, people you thought you, you'd rely on for business, they're not sending you business anymore. They're not introducing certain people. And that's just because they found out that either you're not as hard worker as you, as you, as they thought you were. Uh, maybe you may not come through on a lot of the promises that you thought that you promised that you'd come in, come across on, come, come in with. Um, you know, it could be for various reasons. Maybe you just don't know anything about the industry that you're in, and you just kind of got put into the industry just based on people you know. So definitely the work that you put in once you get your foot in the door is very, very big. If not, you'll see people who had a harder time getting in the door pass you by. Definitely, definitely, because that will happen. And it and it may or may not all be all your fault. You know, some things happen. People make different connections and stuff. But it's important, it's very important that you – uh, make sure that you're doing your part so that when the time comes, and it may not come when you think it will come, but, you know, you still need to be ready, you still need to be prepared, whatever the case may be. So how do we find you, Jabir? Well, you can always contact me directly at 321-239-5814. That's my direct cell. Uh, you could email me at jabir at ryajan.com. So that's J-A-B-I-R at riajan.com. Also, make sure you follow me on Instagram for a lot of tips, tricks, and all that kind of stuff to make sure that you're put into the best position whenever it comes to financing a home, uh, whether it's refinancing, purchasing, or just overall financial advice. So that's Jabir, J-A-B-I-R, underscore, Najir, N-A-J-A-I-R. Okay. Any last tips you want to share before you go? Um. I would just say for anybody that's looking to purchase in the near future, um, definitely go ahead and get that pre-approval so you know where you stand when it comes to your credit, when it comes to your credit and income, so you know what you need to do to, or what when I say what you need to do in order to prepare any type of changes or improvements that you need to make, at least you don't feel rushed. If you currently own a home, keep in mind that if you're overwhelmed when it comes to debt, 
you can look into using your home as an asset to put you in a better financial position. It's just very important, as I think I've mentioned before, not to once you actually are put into a better position, a lot of times clients have so much extra money laying around after that, an extra $500,000 a month that they feel they have to go out and spend it. No, you just use that money to actually save it because you never know when you're going to need it. So there are definitely some great opportunities for people in any, whether you're purchasing or refunding, great opportunities available in the near future for you. Okay, thanks, Jabir. I appreciate it. appreciate your time. Hopefully talk to you again next month. Take care. Be well. Stay safe. Um, before we go, y'all, something I want to share with you, and I don't have a whole lot of information on it, but I did post it on the G's Power Hour Facebook page, um, something I, that uh, I got from one of my alerts from um, WFTV. Uh, a potentially deadly type of bacterium has been detected for the first time in U.S. soil and water samples. Um and actually it's affecting uh, the U.S. Gulf Coast, according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Um, it's called Berkholderia, never mind, I'm not even going to try to, Pseudomalia, that's the best I'm going to do right now. It says it's also known as meliodosis, um, also known as Whitmore's disease. Um, which is proven fatal in half of all cases worldwide, according to uh, this report that I'm reading. About a dozen U.S. meliodosis cases are diagnosed each year, but typically among people who have traveled to tropical climates, it says. Um, This bacteria has sickened at least four people in four different U.S. states in 2021, killing two people, including a five-year-old boy. Um, So... Apparently, when, uh, the CDC announced that the bacterium has been found in soil and water samples along the Gulf Coast of Mississippi, in issuing a nationwide health alert to physicians to remain vigilant for the symptoms. Um, it says, although it's vague, the symptoms can include cough, fever, chest pain, but more severe cases can lead to disorientation, pneumonia-like illnesses and seizures so um yeah i just saw this i just wanted to share it with you like we really need something else to watch out for but hey um you can't be too careful and if i know anything about it you can't say you didn't know okay because i'm gonna i'm gonna share it i just don't want anybody to to get any sicker than than you got to you know i mean we're human we're going to get sick but please be careful check into this if i find out more about it you know i will share it but anyway thank you for joining us today this is in g's power hour on never had it so good entertainment i am your host g be well be safe be blessed and please remember all real power comes from god take care Make it all right.